Oh, there is some big news this week, isn't there, Ben? Ben, ben said to me, he said, look at the third news story. And Ben, we kind of predicted the future because a couple of podcasts ago, we were slating this and now it, well, it's actually a reality. Not going to say what it is yet, but yes, but it is big. I don't want to say I told you so because this is some major news. Some of the biggest news story of the week, like in legitimate news, other than our Prime Minister liking a boogie. Um, but I did write my EPQ on this, like, which would be like four years. Yeah, four years yeah. ago now. So, um, you know, three, four years ago, I predicted this. I even wrote an academic piece of writing on this exact scenario. Um, we- and we are going to be telling you what this exact scenario is later on today's Film podcast. It's Ben and Jacob here. Also coming up today, Ben's going to be reviewing Life After Life, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, we're going to be doing the trailer talk. We're going to be talking about Heartstopper and also the Northman as well. Ben, just before we get into this podcast, I want to say I am recovering from the worst cold. So at points, I'm going to like do like a code, like nod at you or something. And that means I'm running out of air. You just need to speak. So... Make sure you have your like you can probably tell I'm a bit croaky. I mean, it feels like coldy things are going round at the moment. I couldn't leave bed oh. on Thursday. Really? Yeah, I was bedridden. It's mental. And then my mate texted me and And whenever I've been coughing, customers have just been looking at me like I am the biggest scum on earth, like for having COVID in the shop. I don't have COVID. Yeah, you can't cough anymore in public. It's become socially so, unacceptable. It is really weird, isn't it? Yeah, like, one of my housemates coughed like, earlier as I was following them up the stairs, and I went, are you okay? As is, uh, like, you do what we you wouldn't want. Have deep, we wouldn't have deepened it three years ago, would we? Yeah, but it's like, I asked if she was okay because it sounded like a nasty cough, and she was like, I've not got COVID, it's just a chest infection. I was like, <laughs> I wasn't... That's the thing that everyone assumes, right? I wasn't assuming it was COVID, I kind of... But you also assume, though, no, not necessarily assuming someone's got COVID, but when people say, well, I've noticed this last week, is people have been like, oh, you sound rough. Are you okay? Mm. First thing I say is, it's not COVID. Yeah, I think because it was such a massive part of our lives that we're all just kind of like, it's the go-to disease now. Yeah, for sure. Um, Ben... What have you been watching this week? Uh, anything in particular? Anything in particular other than the stuff we're reviewing? Not really. Have you been watching anything, Jacob? Well, I, I watched Brennan's Got Talent, but not for the right reason. Is this because of the fix shit? Yes. Um, just little things like when they show an overview of the audience, every single member of the audience is wearing masks. However, when it's the close-up audience reactions... They're not wearing masks. Must be paid actors or something. Um, another thing is the show. There's just so much controversy coming out about the show. Did you see The Fall, Ben? No. So it was last week. There were these, like, I'm going to say, like, nine-year-old, 13-year-old out of gas kids doing scooter tricks. And they were doing really advanced scooter tricks, going down ramps, then going upside down and stuff. But they fumbled on one of the simple ones, just going down the ramp, and fell. Yep. Now, 
the whole act stopped and everyone was so shocked. But you just saw how he got carried off. If you watch it in slow motion, he didn't get carried off like he was in pain by the producer or whoever carried him off was worried about him. He just got carried off for the sake of getting carried off in dramatic effect. Yeah, but the... Two minutes later, he's then back on doing it. The whole show is very manipulative. I mean, it has its formulas that it plays into. It plays into the, oh, it's a ugly person who probably thinks they're talented, but it's not really. Oh my God, they've got an amazing singing voice. I swear that's happened about 50 times. You have the comedian who's disabled. You have the little kids dancing. It's so many cliches. Like, it knows... I think everyone's a bit tired of the show now. And I also think people are like so much more switched on now into understanding what is fake and other platforms like TikTok and things. Everyone just sees the show, like all it takes is one person to exploit it and a video get blown up and you can see how fake it is. What what are your thoughts on the show, Ben? I think it's very outdated. Yeah, because it's been going on 15, 16 years and it's not... Changed it's the not changed. F- They've just added in a golden buzzer about five years ago, but that doesn't change the show God, at the all. The golden buzzer's more than five years old, surely. I don't know. Um, but also, uh, it's not. You don't really get to ever know the contestants as well, because you only see them like three times. Like, I've yeah. never loved the show. I. Genuinely, as a rule, always skipped shows that had like lots of audition episodes because they basically got quite samey. I find. Yeah. Um, I always think auditions are better than the actual like semis, though. Yeah, which is quite a problem because I find the auditions quite mundane. But nothing this year seemingly went viral for the right reasons, and maybe yeah. ITV should start looking for different new hits. I mean, they've got the Masked Singer. Which is also plummeting in viewers. Is it? Mm. The gap between seasons... I feel like it was such a lockdown show. Yeah, and also, um, it is kind of a one-hit wonder show, the Masked Singer. And in reality, it's absolutely shit. (laughs) It's not a good show. It's a bit of a guilty pressure vibe, but I don't watch it thinking, oh, this show is amazing. I think this show is absolutely shit, but at least it takes the piss out of it being shit. I think we all watched it for one year, and then we all watched it for a second year because we were in national lockdown. And the third year it came out, we were all like... I think The Masked Dancer didn't actually help it. No, because that's the same show. Mm, Exactly. You know, people... Same show, it's not quite as exciting. Hmm. But it's, I also think the whole idea of Saturday Night Telly is kind of outdated because... Yeah, people don't, like, I think people like ITV think, oh yeah, on a Saturday night all the family sit down and watch Saturday Night TV together. That's just not the thing anymore. Also, like, obviously these shows are successful, um, but the shows that have massively dominated the cultural conversation in the past five years have been comedies or dramas. It's That's what people are watching as a family. And look what at, they're doing is they're not... Look at, you know, your casualty. Yeah. Look at, 
I'm trying to think. There's so not, many. No, it's not even like casualty. It's people are not on a Saturday night with their takeaway watching Britain's Got Talent. They're watching the latest episode of Peaky Blinders or the latest yeah. Netflix show. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. They're watching or film on Disney+. Plus. They're going to streaming to watch something because Terrestrial Tally is actually a little bit of an outdated idea. And also, you get adverts. Mm. You don't get adverts ITV loves an advert. Oh, they do. Do you know what I hate is when it's like, uh, you just know that the, 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 the winner gets announced and the winner, Britain's Got Talent. After that... Will be announced after the break. It's a joke. But it it's just like pisses me off. they really do, really do maximise the adverts on their big shows, they which do. makes sense because you need to be able to afford to make things, and that's how they're funded. But like the worst one for ads or the most noticeable one, Dancing on Ice. Is that bad? That's like every fifteen minutes. There's an ad break. Mm. Which gives... I, I think Dancing on Ice is the best talent show, though. Strictly. Uh, no, I think Dancing on Ice is a lot better than Strictly. It's so stop-start and kind of boring. So Strictly. Strictly's not. It's oh, Dancing on Ice uh, requires a lot more skill than Strictly. Yeah, I'm not denying that, but they also have longer to train... And there's more adverts, and Holly and Phil are not as good as Tess and Claudia. I mean, you just don't like Phil and Holly. No, I like Phil and Holly on this morning. Do you? No, not on anything else. Well, they're what ITV hire if they can't get Anton Deck. <laughs> it's, it's... I mean, to be fair, I think they are trying to move away from. Anton Deck and Phil and Holly. I think Vernon Kay, they like a lot of them, innit? Are they really trying to move away from Anton Deck, though? Considering this is the third no, Saturday Night TV show. show they've hosted already. They've got a new one, haven't they? Yeah, so if you look at it, this is their third Saturday Night TV show of the year already. Like, that's yeah, not well, moving away from them. Do we get anything else from them? I don't think we do. Oh, I'm a slab. Yeah, so we've got the new quiz show. We've got Saturday Night Kit. Takeaway got Britain's Got Talent, and I'm a celeb. This they they get paid the big bucks. They are great. Like then, shall we start the reviews? Yeah, shall we? We've we've done enough of our take on ITV. Plus, I'm dying for an absolute big glass of water because I'm croaky as hell. So I'm just gonna let you get on with this one, mate. Yep, and I'll just keep talking. And you go get your water. So from this is The Northman, which is available in cinemas. Um, it's from visionary director Robert Eggers. You may have seen his films, including um, The Witch and The Lighthouse. Um, this is a $100 million action field epic that follows the young Viking prince um, who's on a quest to avenge his father's murder, murder and save his mother. Um, it's got an all-star cast, including Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Klaus Bang, who was in the Dracula show a few years ago, Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, the Icelandic pop singer Bjork, and Wilhelm Defoe. Like, you don't get more stars than this. Um, I found this film eviscate, like, 
the way it depicts violence is such fun. Which is quite an outlandish statement for me, because I don't really like watching violence. But there's something about the Viking setting and the pure brutality of the film that makes it challenging to watch and take in. But you also can't, like, avert your eyes from it. And I was fixed on the screen, even when you're watching some quite gruesome things. It's, like, tumultuous, but visually stunning and so entertaining. Um, And it's a real sombre meditation on savagery and what men and actually there is one twist with one of the female characters being evil women can do and how savage they can be um like it's the film is vastly more ambitious than Robert Eggers other period films the witch the lighthouse I've heard rumors his next horror film will be in the Elizabethan and Stuart time which would be fucking cool. Let's cast Kira Knightley in this one as well. I'm um, just saying. She loves a period film. Robert Eggers loves a period film. They're a match made in heaven. Um, and it's a film that has artistic fingerprints all over it. It's manufactured. It's brilliant. There is a little bit of CGI. But not as much as your average Marvel film. Or your average blockbuster by far. And it gives you these scenes that are far more interesting. They play, there's this scene that's a violent game of, I'm not going to say it. It's like a Viking cross between lacrosse and rugby and it's violent and it's aggressive. And it's far more adrenaline inducing and blood pumping than any other film of recent years. Um, It's properly exhilarating. And it ends with two naked men fighting on a volcano. So why wouldn't you want to watch it? I'm back, by the way, Ben. Heard the majority of that. And uh, it sounded really, really good. And I was getting it all. And then the end, it just threw me a bit. Yeah. Does it work, that oh, ending? It's phenomenal. I mean, the whole film's about savagery and it's got really violent fight scenes. Um, so it's not out of the blue, the fight scene. Um, they're not, they're mostly, like, it's, they're not really fully naked, I will Stretch that, but the final scene is prop is literally what would have happened if Robert Eggers watched the Revenge of the Sith, the Star Wars film, saw the volcano finale, and went, "What if they were naked and Vikings?" Is it as good as the Star Wars Revenge of the Sith fight, though, or the whole CGI? Because the CGI in Star Wars in that fight is incredible. But they don't use a massive amount of CGI. It's all done practically in this film, which gives it such a visual and visceral feel. And that adds so much joy to it. Um, Is it going to be up for best pictures at the Oscars, do you think? Probably not. It's probably too violent for Oscar audiences. But it's cool. And you should go and watch it in cinemas. People who complain that Hollywood doesn't do enough original films... They need to go and they need to support the Northmen in numbers because this is the type of cinema that I want to see and I think it's the type of film that lots of people want to see. You sold me there, Ben. Um, right, shall we get into the news? Uh, if you want to. There's news here about Minecraft. Yes, Jason Momoa has been cast in the live-action Minecraft film. So this is something I never thought would happen, a Minecraft in live-action well, like, what are they going to like? Are they all going to have square hands? Like, what the fuck is going to go on? 
I have no fucking clue. But after the success of two Sonic films and a couple of Pikachu films that have been quite successful and Free Guy... My friend messaged me the other day being like, hey, do you want to go watch the new Sonic? I was like, no, not really. Yeah, wise call. Um, I haven't seen it by context. That's me just going. I watched the trailers and I was like... But no, yeah, I, uh, no, I don't want to go see that. Really. This is probably a smart move for Jason Momoa, considering his career as Aquaman is probably ending at the next film. And he has been successful. He's joining the Fast and Furious franchise. It's putting another franchise in his belt, which yeah. will probably help him in the long run. He's got the Dune films. He's making very smart and savvy business decisions for someone who probably... And I say this with a great deal of respect to Jason Momoa. Is not going to be in any of those kind of Oscar acty films. He's an action star through and through. And he's making great decisions for an acting star. Okay. The big one, Ben. I'm going to let you do the honours. Yep, so Netflix, the streaming juggernaut, the film that Nadine, the service that Nadine Doris wants to privatise Channel 4 for to make it a leading cultural business when it's already profitable. Netflix has had arguably the worst week of its entire existence. Um, it announced in its quarter one results that it dropped 200,000 subscribers. That's not... Netflix has had growth that was lower than expected a couple of times before. It was Its growth was slowing down in 2019. It was helped by the pandemic that inflated the market for streaming services. But Netflix has more than other streaming services like HBO Max or Disney or Apple, which have seen continual growth. Slow growth, slower out we leave the pandemic, but still growing. Netflix has actually fallen in subscribers which is massive, and then its share price dropped by 35%. That is incredible, but not the good incredible, really. No, because it's also not amazing for a company that's in about £20 billion of debt. Debt, yeah. And you predicted this. Tell us a bit more about the UPQ you did. Yeah, so like four years ago, before Disney Plus had launched, um, I you knew it was launching. That's yeah, I kind of I handed it in and finished it on the day it launched in America. So that would be twenty nineteen. So really, three years ago, I started it and I wrote it. Um, but I was basically theorizing that Netflix is in massive debt and doesn't have massive franchise following power that Disney Plus has. And if it keeps going for a quantity over quality method, um, it's going to lose subscribers because the market was getting more and more saturated. Um, And in a saturated market, businesses have to be fucking smart. And Netflix has bad habits. Its binge model, which made it so attractive, has arguably meant none of its shows have had a massive cultural following other other than like Stranger Things. Because... With so many shows out, people don't really all congregate round run one or two. But the shows that have been big in recent years, WandaVision, The Mandalorian, Ted Lasso, um, they all release once a week. Like, people have gone back to normal, tele- like, traditional television viewing. 
it's not everyone sits down at nine o'clock. It's everyone watches the episode on a Friday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday or whatever day it's released. People and also, this creates much more of a buzz around the show as well. Yeah, if the show's successful, because people get excited about it. People, if everyone's watching the same show, and I was at school when you know Mandalorian was coming out, everyone. On the day Mandalorian came out, in the evening, that's all everyone was talking about. But with the box set is, oh, have you finished this year? What episode do you want? And it's not the same, mm-hmm. like, interaction and hype that you get and all these theories. So as much as it is annoying having to wait, business-wise, amazing idea. It's why TV will always exist. It's because that's the format that works. Like, Netflix mm-hmm. tried to change the game, but weekly TV brings people together. That's why it's become so successful as a medium, because people talk about it, it's entered our cultural landscape. But if people binge something over a weekend, quite often they forgot it in a week. Yeah, that's the tree. You do forget it, don't you? Yeah, it just it was something that you pass the time with. If shows are really special, like one we're talking up, you do actually remember it and it sticks with you. But also the other thing Netflix has done that's probably pissed people off they cancel a lot of shows like elaborate so netflix have the theory that having lots of new shows is better than having old shows like it's better to have lots of season ones than shows coming out on season four or season five which they is cheaper to do a season one than season three because cast contracts are lower costs are generally lower but with Netflix counselling shows like Glow or The OA, it just pisses off the fans. Um, it does, yeah. Because people like to watch a show, and I'm not one to say that shows should run and run forever. And we know that, because you're quite vocal about that on the podcast. But they do cancel shows without giving them a ending, which winds people up, because shows... On Netflix, you know, you don't, you want your show to end. They should, Mm. instead of counselling shows at season two, they should do a, it will end with season three. That's how you keep your fan bases on side, instead of ending stories midway through. And it's these little things that annoy people. It's their saying to fix it. They want to crack down on people who share passwords. Oh, mate, that's massively been in the news. Yeah, but... Okay. That pisses people off. It may make them a bit of extra money. But not everyone who does that, you know. Like, that would affect someone like me. I use my parents' Netflix. I don't live with them I anymore. I use my parents' Netflix. You do live in the same household, so it's different. I don't. Um, but, um, so, but would I... I wouldn't be able to afford Netflix. Right. I, I Actually, I'd probably... I could scrape Netflix, but... Would I pay for it? I'd churn it. Um, I would have it some weeks and cancel it and do that. Netflix won't be able to build their buzz if they cut viewers. Which means if you have less buzzy TV shows, people are less likely to subscribe for your service. So maybe the way Netflix should get these subscribers back is by making better TV shows. It <laughs> needs to stop- I knew you were going to say that. No, but Netflix has this thing where all of their TV shows recently, bar one we're about to talk about, are kind of 
okay. They're either bad or okay. Very few of them are great. And when they are great, they break out. Squid Game, The Queen's Gambit, The Crown. But a lot of Netflix content is quite mediocre. Bridget was great. That broke out. And if you constantly fill a service with mediocre things, after a while, people are going, okay, nothing on Netflix is actually that good. So they're not going to watch anything, and they're going to cancel it because you're rising the prices. This has been a long time coming for the streaming service. And I think it shows that they don't. It's a new company, relatively speaking, compared to their competitors in Disney Plus or HBO Max. It's a new company. And they don't have the massive budget of Apple and Amazon to bankroll it forever. Yeah. So now it needs to get smart and make shows. They need to have a rethink. They need to just go back to basics. Make shows that connect with fans, that get people talking. Don't have to be expensive shows. Make cheap shows. That's how you do it. Squid Games, I can't imagine, is too expensive. Squid Game wasn't expensive. Mm. Like and it show. is one of their biggest shows ever. Yeah, Fact you don't is, need to it? make shows with The Crown or Stranger Thing or Bridgerton's budget. But make quality, focus on quality over quantity. That's what people want. Because people can't watch everything. So make sure no. you have the best things. Not the this most. This is the thing, the because best. there's too much on there. And too much of it is not good. Yeah. Let's go back to basics, Netflix. You're a streaming service. Make great films. Make great TV shows. Then people will subscribe. It's a shame because they were, and still are, the market leaders. But that gap is closing massively. And as soon as they're not the market leaders, Wall Street will be much less forgiving of them. And then they're in trouble. Right. I mean, that was... It's mental, really, isn't it? It's massive news. Yeah. Also... I'll tell you what else is quite big, though. John Wick. I saw him. He's been in the news this week, and not for a Fortnite skin. <laughs> oh, I love it when you do this. So, the director and creator of the John Wick films, um, ah. Chad... Um, God, I'm going Oh, to I love him. it when you do this. <laughs> Shut up. Derek Kolstad, who wrote Nobody and the John Wick franchise, he is creating the an adaptation of the Sega game Streets of Rage. It's going to be live action, it's going to be punchy, it's going to be flighty, like John Wick, like Nobody. I was stretching for a third news story, not going to lie. I was stretching for two news stories, really, because the Jason Momoa joining Minecraft also wasn't a great one. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not every week that the main thing we talk about is a new story. No, it's kind of like a fluff piece in our podcast. Yeah, it, it, for the it, content, for it, the minutes. It kind of gaps the reviews because otherwise the show gets quite samey. That's why it's there. Not a, yeah. we're genuinely interested. <laughs> well, I was in the Netflix. The Netflix stuff is interesting and I hope the people, I hope everyone listening enjoyed Netflix. Like, we can talk about more Hollywood business stuff if people would like. It's... Yeah, we're, we're here and we are open to suggestions and whatever you guys want to hear, we'll do within reason. Uh, still to come, we're going to be talking about life after life. 
the unbearable weight of massive talent, uh, trailer talk. But right now, art stopper. This is what is this what you wanted me to watch? I did want you to watch this show, Jacob. I haven't because the thing is, we um, you told me about two hours ago that you wanted me to watch it. I think I told you like five or six hours ago. Okay, but I haven't had the time. I know that wasn't me. Like also. I didn't want you to watch it for the podcast sake. I just really like this show, and Netflix cancels a lot of TV, and I wanted you to watch it to get the viewing numbers up. Um, well, uh, okay. I think that's a yeah, fair reason. Yeah. Um, my best mate back home messaged me about this show, so I do think it's finding people. Um, this show, um, based off Alice Osman's graphic novel series of the same name, um, it says it's about an openly gay teen, Charlie, played by uh, Joe Locke, who falls for a rugby player, played by Kit Connor, who you may have seen as like young Elton John in Rocketman. Um, they become friends at a British he's high also school. In, what's he in? Is he in Kingsman? No, he's not. That's Taron Egerton. This is the guy who plays young Elton John, like the ten-year-old ah. Elton. Um, like they become friends at British high school. Um, and that friendship blossoms into other things, not making any spoilers. Um, I have to admit, I saw the trailer for this show, and I thought, you know, maybe it looks a bit like aimed at like teenagers and children, and like. But I thought I would watch it because I always say we need more like LGBT representation in film and TV, and we need more trans rep, and this show has that. And I always think, if you want the rough things, you've got to watch it. And I watched this show, and it is so heartwarming. Is oh my god, it's sweet. It's like a nice, warm hug. Um, I've heard multiple people in my personal life, also people like Rihanna Dillon, who's the TV critic of Jane Garvey on the Radio Times podcast, who went into it slightly cynically, because you're adults, and you fall for it because it's sweet and it's charming. And... Aww. Yep, they do struggle. It does have things. You have, like, they struggle with bullies and they struggle with tension and you end up in love triangles. But it's all wholesome and it feels like a breath of fresh air and there's no booze, there's no sex, there's no swearing. It's just milkshakes and going to the cinema and watching films and, like, waiting on your phone. lovely. I know, it is lovely. That's why it's addictive. It's so sweet. It's like, <laughs> oh, um, I think like children and teenagers will love this show. But what's even more shocking is that, like I'm in my 20s now. My mates are in their 20s. We all love this show. I reckon right. if you're a parent with like young, with like teenagers or kids, your whole family could watch this show and everyone would get something because it's such a nice warm hug. And it has these, like, com it's also a great conversation starter. It can introduce you to have it as a trans character in there. And that's played so, like, it's, she's just there. I was like, she's trans, and that's kind of her story, and she's got the arc. But it's not there. But it's not the whole thing. It does bullying, but that's it's not the whole thing. That. Yeah, it has all these issues, but it's not diversity for the sake of diversity. It's just a great story which is perfectly pitched, brilliant pacing, it's gentle, all the characters have arcs, 
the plot perfectly flows over the eight half hour episodes. You can either do like a four hour binge or you can separate I love how them. passionate you are right now. I watched it. So I was like, okay, I'll watch a couple of episodes. Then I have to do some uni work. So I did some uni, I watched a couple of episodes, then did some uni work. Then I watched a couple more episodes. Then I went to my actual job. Then I got back from work and I finished the show. I did it in three sittings in one day because I couldn't wow. stop thinking about it. Um, it's, oh, it's so good. It also, it's, most of the cast is like young newcomers, British newcomers, brilliant stars for the future. It also, and I will keep this actress a secret because they managed to not mention her in the press tour or the trailers or anything. It has arguably the most acclaimed actress worldwide in the TV show as one of the characters' mums who just pops up in, like, the first episode. Wow. Um, And no one knew. So watch the show just to find out who this actress is. And, like, I'm not hyperboning it. There is a genuine Oscar winner in this show, just in a small supporting role. She clearly came on for a couple of days to film. And, like, I logged on to Twitter yesterday morning and this actress's name was just trending because everyone had the reaction of, oh, my God, she's in it? Like, how did no one mention this? Um, I really hope everyone watches this because I kind of hope... I think there is potential for growth and further exploration in season two. I hope it does almost like Love, Victor did, where it slightly grows up a bit in a second and third season, where as the character's age, you get more mature with it. Um, that's just my opinion. But this show's so sweet. It's such a hug. If Netflix decide to cancel it too early, like they always do, it's a brilliant one-off one season, and I think it's gave such a long-lasting impact. Um, I read the graphic novels when I was about 15, and they did help me. I think the TV show will help others. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> Everyone should watch it. It's like one of the best shows of this year. Like, it's so heartwarming. I just, it it's like great. Ted Lasso. It's just a warm hug. And you love Ted Lasso. I, do, I love things that just give me a hug. And like, because that's what TV should do. It should comfort you. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I will actually go watch that. Um, life After Life is also coming up today. But first... Let's talk about your trailers. Mm. So, did you see this first trailer, Jacob? Yes. It kind of just dropped on Easter Monday. Um, Unexpectedly. And I, and I was just out walking my dog after months of waiting for it. That is the new teaser trailer for Four Love and Thunder, the fourth film in the fourth franchise. Um, we see Chris Hemsworth return. We see Natalie Portman return. We see Taika Waititi, who directed For Ragnarok. And He's also has back. the coolest name. He's coming back. Who knows? We may even see Benedict Cumberbatch and his almighty dick in the film after the new Doctor Strange film. The one we had th- to get it in there. I was, we didn't get in last week, so I had to get in this week. Um, but no. Smoothly done. How long have you been sitting on that one? I thought about ten minutes ago we need to mention it this <laughs> week. Um, but no. The one thing I will say that did slightly annoy me on Twitter, they were like, oh my god, all these shots are so perfect. Three quarters of that trailer CGI. Right. <laughs> like, even that. This four film's basically an animated movie. Like, and 
it's gonna be good, but let's not pretend it's anything other than a CGI fest. It looked good though, based on the trailer. I oh, thought. I think the film's gonna be good. It's just a lot of CGI. Uh, also, trailer-wise this week, we got Lightyear. Uh, trailer for that came out, as well as The Staircase. Yep. So the film t- about a staircase. Wow, that sounds bloody exciting, doesn't it? Well, okay, so I'll start with Lightyear. We had a second trailer for the uh, Toy Story prequel thing about Buzz Lightyear, but it's not Buzz Lightyear, as you know. It's kind of like the film that inspired Andy to get the Buzz Lightyear toy. This film looks slick and cool and way too meta to describe, um, but it looks so good. Um, the Staircase is um, it's going to hit Sky in HBO, well, I think it'll hit Sky. It stars Tony Collette and Colin Farrell, and it's based off... Did you see the Netflix docudrama that came out about three or four years ago called The Staircase? Um, it's based yeah. off a real crime story where this wife was just kind of found at the bottom of her staircase with multiple cuts and bruises and everyone starts doubting, did the husband kill her or did he not? It's got Colin Firth and Tony Collette and Dane DeHaan and who's the ginger girl from Game of Thrones, who I forgot who's married to a Jonas brother. She's in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looks all right. Bit cheesy, but... It's like another true crime show that I'm kind of over as a genre, but now, but this is something. This this next one I'm really looking forward to hearing. The unbearable weight of massive talent. What the fuck? Like that title could like lead to many things. What is the actual premise of the show? So this film, which is available to watch in cinemas, um, it's basically if people remember Honey Boy, the Charlotte Buff film a few years ago. This is like a comedic version of that. Um, it sees creatively unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, a fictionalised version of Nicolas Cage, played by Nicolas Cage, must accept a $1 million offer to attend a birthday party of his dangerous superfan, Pedro Pascal. Things taken and. An unexpected turn of events when CIA agent Tiffany Haddish recruits Cage to do some spying. This film, well, it's very Nick Cage. It's the most Nick Cage Nick Cage has ever got, and it plays off Nick Cage's persona. That said, it's more than just a gimmick of Nick Cage playing Nick Cage. And let's be honest, Nick Cage is the only actor who could play himself. Um, I love how you have also, you know, you're like on first time uh, basis with him that you've nicknamed him to Nick Cage. Forget Nicholas, you call him Nick. It's just sticking with Nick. Nick Cage is much cooler than Nicholas Cage. Um, it's it's like a really good action comedy on top of the gimmick. Um, Cage, he has a massive personality. We all know it. He basically will make any film ever and just scream and shout the whole time. Um, and he really plays into it, like. He goes so far into it, it means the film's not just like a funny five-minute skit that was played out for too long. You end up caring about this fictional version of Nick Cage. Um, plus, there's so many like Easter eggs um, for fans of Cage's filmography. And it kind of like, even as shit and terrible straight DVD films are treated with love and care, and I think it works. 
Oh, yeah, that's good. And if you like, um, if you want to see studio comedies make a return, watch this film in cinemas. Is this next one about like a woman dying? Life after life. Is that the one that's just come out recently? Mm. And it, my parents are watching it at the minute. Yeah, so it's on BBC Two or BBC iPlayer. Um, yeah, it's an adaption of Kate Atkinson's book about a woman. This is life after life. We're talking about about a woman who keeps dying and is reborn, um, which makes it kind of depressing and full of grief, um, while irresistible, because um, you see Ursula first die in 1910 when she's strangled by an umbilical cord. That's the opening scene: a baby dying in childbirth. Then you see the childbirth again, but the doctor just about makes it. You grow up with the character as she lives or dies, um, lives and dies repeatedly, and you see an almost butterfly effect. Um, yeah. The show's got a great cast. Thomasine McKenzie, who you will see from Jojo Rabbit or Last Night in Soho, plays kind of late teenager to adult Ursula. You've got Sean Clifford from Fleabags in there. You've got one of the Killing Eve boys is in there. You've got Jessica Haynes in there. It's a great cast. I do think it may split people on how much they can do melodrama. I quite like a good melodrama and a good weepy and a tragic romance. Mm-hmm. So it worked for me. Probably wouldn't work for you, Jacob. My one right. criticism is I will say there's probably too much of Leslie Manfield's narration from like a narrator who's not seen in the film. I think maybe they overplay it a bit too much. But the film asks some really interesting questions and it's kind of a beautiful meditation on life by constantly dying. There's a lot of beautiful ones today. Mm. Yeah, all four of these things that we've reviewed are phenomenal. I mean, you have to watch Heartstopper first, but after strong that... week. But you should watch all four after Heartstopper. Strong week. Let us know what you think of what we've reviewed today at our TQ film on Twitter, benheave101 at gmail.com if you want to email. As always, if you want to see what Ben has reviewed today, the written reviews are up on the RTQ film website. And of course, let us know what you think about this Netflix drama as well. That's it from us, Jacob Darren Ben Heath. We will catch you in the next one where hopefully my eyes won't be falling half shut. Ben, this isn't feel like every podcast ends on the same note. We just do this podcast absolutely knackered at the minute. Mm. Bear in mind, right? It's 10 to midnight on a Saturday night. I'm not even out. I've got to be up at 6 to get to work tomorrow. Oh, gosh. We need to do a podcast where we're both fully awake. And I wasn't falling asleep because of you, Ben. It's just I'm genuinely knackered. I mean, I'm falling asleep because of me at the moment. So, Uh, Take care, man. See you. Bye. Bye.